Hi, I'm Trevor Cochran and welcome to The Garden Gurus Live. It's our weekly show where Joanne Harris and I share seasonal garden advice. We feature a variety of garden lovers from all over Australia and the world, and we give you the opportunity to interact and ask your garden questions. To join the chat live and ask your gardening questions, all you need to do is like the Garden Gurus Facebook page and tune in every week. This live stream is brought to you by Still and Garden Express. Garden Express is Australia's largest online and mail-order garden supplier, leading the way in helping customers create beautiful gardens. From their garden centre to your door, their easy-to-use ordering system takes the fuss out of planning your garden. To create your dream garden, head to gardenexpress.com.au. Hi everybody, welcome back to the Garden Gurus on this beautiful Friday morning. Um, I'm Joanne Harris and I'm here to help present this program today. Um, We've got an interesting program. Uh, We've got two episodes of um, the Garden Gurus to show you, some sneak preview of it. Um, It's episode number 14 of the classic show and episode number two of the... um, of the best of. So classic will be on Saturday and best of on Sunday. Um, We're going to head over to Garden Express and have a chat with Rowan about Woolamine Pines and this amazing gift card deal that they've got happening. Um, And then, of course, I've got a plant of the week. So I've bought something in that's often sold around Christmas time and it's the best time of the year to buy these plants. Um, And then, of course, we're here to answer as many questions as we can. I promise we will try as hard as we can to get those um, all answered this week. Um, But if not, don't worry, we will promise you to get back to them next week. So let's get started. I think we need to head over and see how Rowan's going and have a chat with Woolamai Pines. See you there, Rowan. Hey, Joanne. How are you going? Yeah, very well, Rowan. Very well. It's always a pleasure to see your smiling face coming back through the uh, through the oh, camera. Listen to that. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Rowan. So we've got a fabulous deal. You've got um, – we're going to go over the Woolamine Pine again this week. Yeah, I thought it would be a good one because it's a great gift. Um, people uh, love it, obviously, because of its history. Um, so I thought it would be a nice one just to, to touch on um, again. Um uh, just before we do get started, I just wanted to let everybody know that we we have or we're finishing shipping plants um, uh, as of today, uh, just due to postage and the stuff that we've discussed over the last couple of weeks. But um, well, am I kind of we still we still plan to ship them out. The trouble is we can't guarantee they're going to arrive for Christmas. Um, so so what we've done is we've put together a, um, a little downloadable card that when, when someone purchases a Willamai, they can um, download it, print it out and give it to um, the recipient of the gift if it's a Christmas gift um, because, like, as I said, we just can't guarantee that it's going to arrive at Christmas. Yeah, that's um, a great so, idea. So if it doesn't arrive, you've still got something to give to them. Yeah, and then, and then we'll obviously ship it across and, and it'll get to the recipient as, uh, as quickly as it yeah. can. And we have talked about the shipping recently and we all know not only is it difficult sometimes to get it through at this time of the year, it's also about shipping plants. And I know that you guys are really reputable and and ethical about this. So there is a cutoff, but the Woolamine, in fact, will travel quite well through this period too. Yeah, it really does. So it travels, it travels really well. Um, previous uh, years we've been able to 
to ship them right up until we finish for the for the year, um, and they arrive without any dramas. Um, but like I said, we just can't guarantee it just because of Australia Post. Um, weather's a bit funny this year. I don't know what it's like over there in uh, in WA at the moment, but we had 35-degree heat over the weekend, and then yesterday we had um, snow at uh, Mount Donabuang, which is not far from here. So mm. the weather is fluctuating so much this year. But just as a matter of course, like you, like you mentioned, we, we do stop shipping, one, because it, we don't like things getting caught uh, in the mail during the busy holiday period, but two, because it it does heat up um yeah yeah we just don't want things caught in the mail for too long it's a great present though it's a great thing to to give you know it's um you're getting part of so you know i know the the guys just saw it in vision but that you know that's exactly what you're going to get so it's a beautiful tree lots of new lots of new growth it's uh it's really stunning they're actually not that hard to grow either no, they're, they're really easy actually because you know they've been they've been living and, and surviving for a long time. They've they've survived ice ages. Yeah. Um, quite yeah. amazing. They get a I don't know how much detail we've got time to go into, but they get a really um, a polar cap or what we call a polar cap, which protects them from from uh, from frosts. Um, amazing versatile plant. Oh, that's that's great. Yeah. Um, I just received, um, I, I know I'm diverting a little bit here, Rowan, but I need to read this out from Rita McKay, and she's in Perth. No, uh, yes, and she says, I just received four anthurium plants from Garden Express. I'm in Perth. They arrived well-packed and well-hydrated. That's great to hear. So I think that's good news, and I think everyone needs to know that, that, you know, when you do order plants online, it is safe. It is um, people like Garden Express, you take a lot of trouble to get them out well. So that's great. Well, we've been doing mail order for 70 years next year, Joanne. I don't know if you're aware of that, but it's been no. 70 years since we've been shipping them out and then uh, 20, 22 online, um, you, you know, so we're, 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 we've been doing it for a long time and we've mastered the process pretty well. Yeah, absolutely you have. So it's good to know and it just gives people confidence with it. Now, the other thing you've got happening is a really good deal on gift vouchers. Yes, so being that we can't ship plants right now, we've uh, we've reverted our energy into gift vouchers. So what we've done is we've put together uh, four fixed-price gift vouchers Um and, and we're giving 20% extra value on, on each of those. So if you were to buy a $50 uh, gift voucher at the moment, you'd get $60 worth of value, $100, $120 worth of value. If you were to spend $150, you'd get $180 worth of value. Um, and then obviously if you spend $200, you're getting $240 worth of value. So um, it's, a, it's a nice gift for someone, but it's also a pretty nice gift for yourself. <laughs> Well, it's a nice gift for yourself. I mean, that's that's amazing. And I was thinking about this this morning after I read the promo and I thought, gee, I need to look at something like that for my own shop. I think it's a fabulous deal. Yeah. Um, but I, And I also know that um, just recently I've ordered my bulbs through your other company yep. and ready for, for next year. So anyone buying these gift vouchers, um, you know, someone can get online at their own leisure and start buying and preparing for, say, February, March when the bulbs are coming out. Absolutely. Just keep that one quiet because, um, but, yeah, it's like getting it's like getting 20% discount right off the bat. So uh, <laughs> well worth it. Well worth it. Okay. All right. Well, look, um, we'll see you next week, I, I presume. Uh, yes, we'll be here. It'll either be Dave or myself. So, yeah, I look forward to chatting right. with you again. Well, I look forward to chatting with you again. Always nice to speak to you. You too. Thanks, Joe. Thanks Bye. a lot, Rowan. Rowan. <laughs> All right. So um, get on to that. I mean, who gives away dollars in their gift vouchers? I think that's fantastic.
Um, all right. So, um, oh, okay. Our first uh, question here, and we're on to Woolamine Pine. So David Gatton has asked, can you help me with my Woolamine Pine? It is about 10 to 15 year old now. Am I able to take a cutting off it? And do I need to need to plant it in the ground soon? Thank you for your help. Okay, so the Woolamine pine, that's um it's a good looking pine that you've got there. You've got it in quite a small pot. And although they don't need a big pot, and they certainly, when you're potting them on, um, David, you don't want to, you probably know this, you don't want to take them up too large. You want to be able to make sure that the roots can grow quite fast to the side of the pot. Um, so as much as they don't want to be pot bound, they like to be tight in a pot. Um, however, if you were to not want to plant this into the ground if you didn't have the right position for it and it was easier to grow in it and pot and you've obviously done a good job of it so far um, I would be putting it into a slightly bigger pot at this moment um, now as far as uh, propagating that and taking cuttings off it I guess the one thing to be mindful of is that when you um the Woolamine pine propagate better from cuttings if you take the whole branch. Now, I don't mean the whole large branch. I mean the little branches off the branch. Okay. But when you're doing that, so that's how they propagate best, to take the whole branch and not cut the top. Usually when you take a cutting, you'll cut the top off and then you'll cut parts of the leaves off. Don't do that. Not with the Woolamine. It actually grows better and propagates better if you don't. Um However, what you are also leaving is your pine tree vulnerable to fungus and other pests and diseases that can get in from where you've cut it. So as much as you might want to cut off 20 cuttings, you've got to keep in mind that that may in fact leave your plant vulnerable. So be aware of that. Um, and you might want to think about um, waiting for the seed. Now, the seed of the mine only comes at around about I think it's about 12 years. Now, I know that your um, tree is around about that size, but it may not give off seed as well if it's not potted well. Okay, so the female seeds are at the top and they're in the, the, um, the usual cone shape that you see and then the male seeds are at the bottom. So they're... Um, uh, and they're long and thin, okay? So the female seeds can take 18 months to actually develop. But once they've developed, every scale will give you a seed. And how wonderful if you could actually propagate and be able to, to give away as many Woolamines as you, you can. That would just be a fabulous thing to do. So uh, can you plant it in the ground? Yes, you can. Just make sure that you've got a really good place to put it. As much as they don't need a lot of fertiliser, um, they are growing in an area where a lot of foliage, etc., and debris will drop. And so the ground is probably full of amazing microbes and it will have its own fertiliser factor in there. So keep that in mind that when you plant it, put it into some good compost um, and, and don't overfeed it, but um, give it some uh, maybe a half-strength sea salt would be really good. David, that was a great question. Came in at an appropriate time. Um, okay, so Tyson. Hey, Tyson. Good morning to you. Um, all right, so we've got two rose pictures here, and Tyson would like to know, could I ID these for you? Tyson, um, it's really hard to ID a rose um, if 
the photo isn't up close and I'm not able to really move in on that photo. As I zoomed in on your photo, it just went really blurry, so I was unable to get it. Um, nor am I a rose expert. I can tell you quite a number of roses, especially the ones I grow, um, but I'm not sure what these two roses are, especially from your photo. Next time, Tyson, can you send us a much higher resolution and then I can zoom in and, and have a look at it. What I would suggest, though, is go to a rose farm. And I know that from Baronia, there's quite a few around you. Um, I think the one I know would be our new, Newstead. So try ringing Newstead and see if you can get an email address off them. Send in a, a little bit better photo and they'll certainly be able to help you with that. Now, um, we're going to move on to Shaylee's question at the same time uh, because Shaylee has also sent in some roses to be ID'd. And thank you, Shaylee. The photos are great. Normally I would say this is a that and this is a that, but I have no idea what they are. So what I'm going to say to you is I see that Shaylee's in Perth I would contact Melville Rose Farm, speak to Robbie up there and get an email off him and send those up to them. Melville's are probably one of the most professional rose growers in the country, in fact. And perhaps it's an appropriate time to say rest in peace to Bob Melville. Uh, Bob Melville is, was an amazing rose grower. He was a rosarian. He was... Um, he was an amazing man and Bob passed away last last week. Um, very sorry for the family and um, to all his friends. Um, however, uh, Robbie is up there. Uh, Robbie is Bob's son and he's an amazing rosarian himself. And his wife, Kathy, could help you. So get in touch with uh, Melville Rose Farm. One thing I will say to you, Shaley, from your photos um, is that I can see you've got a bit of black spot happening on there. So maybe get something, um, an ecofungus or... Um, uh, a rose rose pro is another good pro, uh, product that you can use don't forget that as these leaves um, drop when you've got um, black spot on them they will put spores into the ground and then the, the the process repeats itself so make sure that you clean all the roses off and then off your garden bed also so I'm really sorry to you two guys that I don't know enough about roses to be able to give you the exact answer, um, but at least I've given you somewhere where you can go and get that answer. So I hope that helps you both. Okay, hi, Gray, and Gray's in Melbourne. Now, hi, team. Trevor advises how to kick the possums off my backyard bliss lily pilly. Well, that's really great because they kind of like them, don't they? And they destroy them. I could hear them scurrying away late at night and the plants uh, were good for a few weeks. However, one morning I came outside to see many of them decimated and found these little culprits. What do I do? I started with neem oil. All right. So what you're seeing there is caterpillars. And, yes, you've got a lot of them. So I would be looking at, I'm not sure that neem oil is actually going to do it for you, um, Gray, so I would be looking at something like Dipel um, and use that. That's a, a natural um, deterrent and it only affects the, um, I think it's called a bioorganic, and it only affects the intestine of the grub of the caterpillar and so if a bird heaven forbid a bird comes in and nips at that and takes the caterpillar for food it's not going to affect the native birds so and anything else too you know um you wouldn't want to drink it but you could almost drink it it's safe for you it's only going to affect the caterpillars so yeah i would get onto that straight away 
Um, just keep in mind, too, the next thing that's about to hit is grasshoppers, and they make a similar type of um, margin around your leaves. They'll eat away at it. So just keep in, keep in mind that might be happening soon or so. Thanks for the question, Gray. Um, Jay is from the Gold Coast, and I think we heard from Jay a little while ago, and he refers to the Gold Coast as Goldie, uh, which I thought was kind of interesting. Um, has a couple of questions that we can split into two parts. So let's have a look. What is the common name for the pre-emergent herbicide Joanne Harris mentioned that I mentioned a while ago? So, yes, it is Jay. Jay's um, had a problem with his grass. Now, um, there's a lot of different pre-emergents around um, and they're used for different things. And, I, and um, I think if you got in touch with someone like um, you're in the Gold Coast, um, try uh, Lawn Pride. I think Lawn Pride, there would be one close to you. Um, and you could have a look at it. Now, I would probably think that what you're looking at is you're going to need something like uh, Barricade, but they may tell you more than that. They may There's three or four that they'll carry, and they're used in different ways at different times of the year for different things. Okay, so keep in mind that some uh, pre-emergence, if you put them on, can actually uh, lessen the growth of the grass also that you're wanting to come through. So get get some good advice on it. Um, barricade is one I think you might be able to use, but can you get that confirmation from those guys? And that's Lawn Pride. Now, what you've got there, you're asking, um, I sprayed the lawn like I do to get rid of clover and bindies, but some of the bindies are looking okay and still around. While the grass has died off a bit, more important is the image will show the thick grass I mentioned spreading into our lawn. I, uh, I don't even know what type of normal lawn we have, so any help on identifying the regular lawn and that nasty thick stuff would be great as well. Okay, well, let's have a look at it. Um, it's interesting. Uh, the, the, um, the photo on my left that I'm looking at where it's uh, predominantly it's just the grass in the middle of the photo, um, I think that's what they call crow's feet common name um, it's got an extensive uh, root system and you want to um, dig that out i would get a little fork prong and um, get rid of that or spray for it if that's the way you deal with it the other thing i see in your lawn is um, and i think you have a type of buffalo the most um, common lawns that are growing in Queensland, there's about four, and I think it's um, zoysia, buffalo, cooch, and kike. Now, kike is mostly not growing in the, the Brisbane area. It's mostly out in the valley, out in the, the, the bigger, wider spaces. But be careful of kike. If you've got buffalo, which I think that's what you've got, is a type of buffalo in your lawn. Um, if you get kaikui in it, and I can see some in there, I'm sure, on the other photo, then kike will kill a buffalo lawn as quick as look at it. Um, ask me. I, I have that problem at the moment. So get rid of all the kike you can out, the long, longer grass. If it is just crow's foot, then it's not so bad. Um, but what I would also question is what did you spray your grass with? There are sprays for bindi and you can spray it um, easily, but you can find some are for cooch and some are for, 
for buffalo. If you spray the wrong one, you can kill your buffalo as well as your um, your bindi. So, and also spray two or three times, not just once, and that way you'll find that the bindi, you should hit it much harder. Um, look, what I would um, say to you is, go and see the guys at Lawn Pride or send them your photos and get them to ID for sure what the grass is that you've got and then they'll be able to tell you what um, you need for, um, for the others. Okay, so the last question we have here from you is this purple plant is, is beautiful and they are. We have six of them but we have lost all the leaves from the bottom and only show bare stems as others have leaves at the top and the bottom. However, then uh, now getting too tall, how do I cut these back to keep the size down and is there a way to keep the leaves to regrow in the bottom part? There certainly is. This is a quarter line. They're really pretty and they certainly grow well in Queensland. Um, what you can do is you can uh, cut these off. You can cut them right to the ground if you wish. Um, I tend to cut them off about 10 centimetres above the ground at a node, all right? So you want a node there so that they then start um, producing more branches and they'll double up. Um, you, sometimes you'll find if you cut them right to the, the ground, they'll actually come up through um, and you'll get more um, stems coming up as well. So, yep, cordyline, and yes, you can cut them back. I would cut them on a slight angle, um, and it's about now that you would cut them. In fact, in Perth, it's about now. It's when it's a drier period because what you don't want is the open wounds to then have water sitting on them and the possibility of a fungicide, a fungus at least, and then having to use a fungicide. So I would, um, yeah, cut them off probably either 10 centimetres above or even some people will just take them down 10 centimetres below where the foliage is and still have that trunk. Some people prefer that and then will grow around it. I can see the one that you've got here is quite close to your edging, so you probably want to cut it right off at the bottom so it has that lovely foliage right from the bottom uh, rather than trying to plant around it. Okay, well, good luck with that. And off we go to Rolly Stone. Uh, Rolly Stone is in Perth. It's this beautiful hill suburb. Uh, can you please give me advice on my gardenias? They are both south on a south-facing wall. Okay, so south-facing wall is a good one as long as they've still got enough light and it looks like they have. You've got some of the old leaves are going yellow. I would suggest that um, perhaps we need to look at the trace elements for that and it certainly wouldn't help for you to give it a, um, a spray of trace. So that's a, a really good product that's come out by Sabrina Hahn and she, it's a hose-on, so it's an easy one to do. Um, don't be too perturbed. It does need um, a, a bit of trace elements in it, but it's not too bad because the new growth I can see is coming out quite green, but it ne it does need a bit of a lift given that it's um, it's quite pale in its greenness too. Now, um, I would probably be tip pruning it as well. I don't see any um, flower uh, buds there, which at this time of the year you should be starting to see lots of buds on your gardenia, unless, of course, it's already flowered early and it's about to flower again. But it, it, it should have some buds on it somewhere. Perhaps um, a, a fertiliser would be a good idea. Now, gardenias, as much as they will grow in, an, um, in a neutral pH soil, they really prefer um, an acidic soil. So try and get an acidic azalea camellia fertiliser is a, a good way to go. 
it'll give you the um, it'll give you the acidity and maintain the soil acidity for you as well. So tip prune, give it a fertilizer. Perhaps some trace elements would be good. Even dig down. I see you've got some mulch on the soil, um, and I'm not sure what sort of mulch it is, um, but it, it may be something that's quite alkaline, uh, given the the what I think it might be. So pull that back. Um, take a little bit of the mulch and also take uh, dig down, say, uh, 40 centimetre, uh, four centimetres and take a tablespoon of soil. Take it into your garden centre and get them to do a pH test on it for you um, and that way you'll know exactly what you're dealing with. Keep in mind that they are very shallow-rooted plant also, so you want to make sure that that plant is really well covered with some mulch um, over the summertime and in the wintertime when it gets cold. Um, yeah, but otherwise, and I would also give them a little bit of a tip prune. Don't take too much off them at this time of the year. But if you start tip pruning them now for the next couple of months, you'll find by the time autumn comes, they'll be much thicker and bushier and look a lot nicer for you. All right, I hope that helps you, Kerry. Heather is in Newcastle, so we're heading back over to New South Wales. And I now, um, hi, I have this tree in a large pot, but unfortunately it's become root-bound and the water won't drain. I didn't want to smash the pot, but due to the size of the tree, I don't know what to do with it. Any suggestions? All right. It looks beautiful, though. What a great spot. Um, so it looks like it's in maybe a trough pot or maybe a square pot which makes it a bit easier. Yes, it looks like a trough. But in, either way, it's got straight sides and it's not a belly pot. It doesn't go like this where you get roots on this outside bigger than the and, and you're not able to get them through the middle, through the top of the pot, and that way you do have to smash the pot. What I would suggest is that you could lay this down. I would tip prune it first. I think what I'm looking at is a weeping lily pilly. If I've got that wrong, get that to me. But I think it's a weeping lily pilly. It looks to me like it's got that really beautiful little fluffy pink flower and it gets a pink, the, the new foliage growth is pink also. It's a really stunning little plant and very tough. It'll grow well in a pot. But it has overgrown. It has got larger, and I, they like to, and they um, they they grow well when they're pruned. Often, all right, tip pruned. So I would say that the the foliage at the top is quite um, open, and I wouldn't be bringing it down. You know, I wouldn't take the whole top off, but I would certainly start bringing it down again. I would take it down a third. And then in a few weeks' time, when you see it starting to grow up again, I'd take it down another third. I would suggest that it needs a slightly bigger pot than it is. It's doing very well considering the size of the pot. Now, rather than having to smash the pot, I would lay it, and it looks to me like you've got enough space to do that. I would lay it down, pull the foliage up, lay the pot down, and then go around the back of the pot where the holes are, and you're going to need to remove some of those roots so that the plant can then be pulled out from the pot I'll often get like a, a very large saw like my pruning saw and I'll run it down the side of the pot between the pot and the plant and and almost and that just loosens it away you'll find that some of those roots will go in it looks like it's a, a terracotta base pot or a ceramic pot and it may actually have have, have 
fastened itself to the sides. So I loosen it like that and then gently pull that out. You may have to go with your secateurs at the back, cut the roots off or even dig in slightly, which sounds a bit obscene, but dig into it. And that way you can pull the plant out itself. Um, I would then be inclined to use that pot for something else and get yourself a slightly bigger pot. And that way you can gently and, and uh, carefully grow the tree back up to the size it is, but it'll be much fuller for you. Good luck with that. All right. Oh, and before you start, give it a half strength of some sort of seaweed solution. Um, and also when you're potting it, maybe do that for the roots also. So do the foliage and then do the roots as well. But only do a half strength. That's all it needs. Okay. Um, okay, so Lauren is in Ringwood, and uh, how will I know when it's time to harvest my potatoes? I've planted, I have determined, determined and indeterminate, and don't know if I have to wait for them both to die down or if I can start digging them out now. How long can I store them once I harvest? Okay, so um, easy one to know when the plants start dying down, so when the tops start dying down, either way, determinate or indeterminate, that needs to happen. And then also how long can you have, um, yes, you can have, so harvest them once they're doing that. I sometimes go in and pick out some of the smaller ones, have some nice little baby potatoes, but you want to leave some of them to get that good size. When you dig them out, if you want to keep them as long as possible um, in your in a dark area, leave some of the dirt on. And that way it, it, it saves them also, it helps them. In fact, if you buy potatoes in New Zealand, you get chunks of dirt on them. Yeah. All right, so now we're going off to have a sneak peek at the Garden Gurus episode 14. Let's enjoy that. I was listening to that song on the radio the other day, Who Let the Dogs Out? And when I got back here to the garden, someone had. Old-fashioned sprays, the ones we all know and love to hate that is, have a number of failures in design. So when the team at Holman told me they created this, a pressurised sprayer that you don't have to manually pump up, I went, that is incredible. There's lots of good reasons for making the switch to a battery-powered mower. This little baby weighs just 14 kilos, runs on this very powerful battery, so much so that this can cover 300 square metres of mowing. All right. I enjoy watching the uh, garden gurus, but I hate the fact that every time I watch it, I have to go out and buy a new piece of equipment from Still. Um, all right. So we've got lots and lots of questions, so we're going to try and answer as many as we can. If I don't give a full enough answer for you, get back to us and we'll help you with more of it next week. So Seren, I think that's how we pronounce it. She's in New South Wales. And can you take a cutting from a cottonous grey snow, snow, smoke bush? Yes, you certainly can, Seren. Um, but what you want to do is, and it's about now that you take it, um, you want to take uh, what they call the softwood cutting, but you want to know that when you bend that in half, it will snap. So you don't want it so soft that it won't snap. Um, and just uh, put it, I would take the leaf, the top leaves off, cut half the leaves off, and try and pull a few of the leaves off down the stem because what happens then when you dip it into some uh, rooting agent, into some propagating agent, it will actually go really quickly into the, the plant itself, okay? So, yes, possible and do that now. 
Hi, Tyson. Um, you've snuck in a second question there. Can I plant the lavender English Munsed seeds, seeds um, in the ground or somewhere else? Can you please give me some tips and advice? Well, Tyson, it's like any seed really. Um, I would be inclined to put that into um, – uh, into some uh, seed raising mix and then transport transplant that into the ground when you've got something say about um, eight centimeters tall and then you could put it into the ground but yes do it it's great fun planting seeds out um, Judy and Bendigo um, the leaves on my potted roses are going yellow. Any ideas and help, please? Yeah, okay. So this is most likely it'll be a weather thing, um, Judy. Um, if the leaves are coming out, if the buds are coming up and the leaves are yellow, then you've got a problem with trace elements and you certainly need to um, spray that and help the, the, the plant. Roses are gross feeders, so like a lot of good minerals um, and... Um, a really good fertilizer every six weeks four to six weeks always feed them and you'll have a lot less the yellow leaves could also be the start of uh, black spot you're in new south wales and you've been getting lots of water lots of rain at least and that will increase the amount of fungus fungus that you have so i would be inclined to um uh, sorry, you're not in New South Wales, you're in, in Victoria and the same thing occurs. You uh, are best to then uh, look at getting uh, something like Rose Pro or Eco Fungicide and get rid of them. If they drop, make sure you lift them off too because um, it just continues on and on and on. But if you get hold of it, your roses will be fine. You can pick those leaves off also and then anything that's dropped on the ground, pick those up. All right, so good luck with that, Judy. Now, Keith is, we are going to New South Wales now, and Keith is in Moorbank. Why is my lychee, why my lychee tree is flowering when it has already given us fruit in January? They fruit every two years. Think it's a climate thing where lychee trees grow in a semi-tropical climate, they will give fruit every year. Friends in Mauritius say they give fruit every year. All right, well, the Mauritian variety will. That was what I was going to say to you. If you've got a variety called Mauritius um, or some of the, the ones from Mauritius, you'll find they will fruit most year. In Perth, um, I know in Perth they will grow. Sometimes they'll only fruit once out of every three or four years. You're in New South Wales, and I'm not sure where in New South Wales. If you're in northern New South Wales, you'll probably find you do get a biennial that it flowers more, it fruits and flowers more. The fact that it's fruiting again now, it's confused. It's probably most likely not going to give you fruit now. If it does, I would take it off. Um, don't let it um, develop into fruit. You'll find that otherwise it's going to throw it into total confusion over the next um, next couple of years and then you might not get good cropping from it. Um, but, yes, it can be a, a, a tropical thing. Um, and it seems if you're in a semi-tropical, you get more fruit than if you're in the lower lower parts of New South Wales. That was a question from last week, I think, that we're answering. Okay, Terry's asked, uh, what should I spray for downy mildew on grapes? Okay, downy mildew, um, I would be spraying Mancozeb Plus. And that will certainly help it. For those that you don't know downy mildew, it starts on your grapevine as a yellow, um, it's a small water soak type spot. 
and then it turns bright yellow and it becomes quite angular. So you can recognize it once it hits that thing. Um, and then they, um, after that, they go brown and quite distorted. Um, it will, uh, it will uh, mean that you'll get less fruit. Sometimes it completely ruins the fruit if you let it go. So it is something that you should work on and look at um, and, and certainly give it a spray with Mangazeb. Make sure you get the top and the bottom of the leaves and then you should be much better. Uh, and remove all the leaves. Like any sort of thing when you've got a fungus, make sure you remove the leaves from below and around the plant so that it doesn't keep happening. All right, Hamani is in Melbourne and would be very grateful if you can help us find the Yesterday, Today and Tomorrow plant in Melbourne. Well, Hamani, I, I know that you could bring a number of the bigger places, so bigger shops. Try something like Essendon. Um, even if you're not close to Essendon Garden Centre, try them. Um, the, the beautiful um, Acorn Garden Centre, try ringing them. They're full of great information also. You might find, I know in Perth at the moment, the growers don't have any uh, Brunsfelsia or Yesterday, Today and Tomorrow plants available yet. Um, season's been kind of thrown out. I would say that we're possibly not going to see them in Perth until around January. So it might be the same for you in Melbourne. But if you try something like Essendon, or the acorn nursery give them a call ask them if they're about if they're if they've got them in the garden center or if they're seeing them on the the wholesalers list um, and then maybe uh, contact your garden center and put your name down and hopefully they've got an ordering system and they'll uh, contact you once they've got that in stock right so now we're going to head down to tasmania and speak to philip from ravenswood i've just moved into a new home and i'd like to grow a native garden um, however, the soil has a lot of clay in it and it's very wet. What do I have to do to grow a native garden in this type of soil? All right, so um, the first thing I would consider is uh, going to a native nursery in uh, Ravenswood or contact one close to you and ask them the sort of plants that grow well in your area to start with. Then explain to them that you do have clay soil. I would be getting some um, gypsum and I would work that clay. Make sure you get lots of humus into the soil, uh, lots of mulch on the soil. It'll work its way down and certainly make the clay more open so that the water and the, um, the nutrients can follow the roots down. That's what you're looking for. There are lots of... Um, Lots of uh, native plants that will grow in heavier soil and certainly in your area. But I'm not an expert on what grows in your area in Ravenswood. So try going to one of your experts and, and try a garden centre and they'll give you the answers. Yeah. All right. So now we're talking to Carol and she's in Wodonga. And I have a camellia which has uh, copped a dose of weed and feed, unfortunately, is it browning off? And I'm wondering if there's a chance for it to come back. Yes, there is a chance for it to come back as long as it hasn't got too much. But I would be uh, watering it really well and try and flush that out of it, water the foliage as well as. And if not, I'm sorry, but you have got a chance. David, uh, Thanks, Carol. David in uh, central coast of New South Wales says, G'day, g'day. I have a quick question. I have been given a seven-foot frangipani tree without any roots, just a tree trunk. Is it possible to replant it and save the tree? Any advice? Yes. Let it dry out slightly. Um, and then they have very small root systems. I would be putting it into the soil. I would prop it up. So you're going to need to, to prop it up 
and hold it on both sides, maybe three sides, so that it doesn't blow over because they have small root system anyway. Um, and just make sure it goes into some good soil and keep it well watered. And it should, don't overwater it though, because you will rot it. All right. Thanks, David. Ian from Perth, a few weeks ago on the show, you had a fruit tree called Lucuma. Um, I think you said it was from South America. My question is, how or whereabout in Perth can I get one from, please? Really hard. Really hard in Perth to find one. Perhaps try um, Joe at um, Tas One Trees. That's T A S and then the new number one. He may have some, but I even doubt that he grows them. You might have to go to Daly's and Daly's Fruit um, on the website, on their website. I know that you'll get them from there. Harder to grow in Perth. But, hey, it's worth a try, isn't it? Oh, the other one you can try, which is local, is the um, the rare fruit trees, and that's on Facebook. If you join that group, you might find somebody that has propagated their own and you can start sharing and sharing some really good information with these guys. They know what they're talking about. All right. Um, Matthew is in Melbourne West. Um, I have a kangaroo apple pop-up now three times in our kangaroo paw planter from bird droppings <laughs> or in seed packets from the paws. Uh, the plants have flowered and bearing fruit. How do we know when the fruit is ripe enough to eat? Um, usually when you touch them, they'll drop. Um, also, they'll be slightly softer. So that's generally when you find when you can eat those. Um, how lucky for you that the... Um, the birds do that for you. All right, and Paulie, who's in Perth. Thanks, Matthew. Uh, Paulie's in Perth and he says, Hi, team, I have a small problem. I bought a very good quality Sproutwell greenhouse um, house kit from Victoria in the idea of putting it up over the weekend. However, I've injured my shoulder so I can't do it. I'm very sorry to hear that, Paulie. Do you have know anyone in Perth that may be able to assemble it for me? Um, look, I don't, Paulie, but what I would suggest is that you could try something like Shalom House, um, who have workers always willing to do some good work, um, or is it Airtasker? I think it's called Airtasker. Try someone like that or look in your local um, paper um, for a local handyman um, and interview them and see, ask them. I'm sure they'll tell you whether they can do it or not. Hope your um, shoulder gets better soon, Paulie. Okay, still in Perth and we're in High Wickham. And Karen has said, morning, everyone. First timer here. I was wondering if it's possible to graft, ah, this was last week's question, graft a bougainvillea onto an Ovata jade plant. They are in pots. Um, look, I'm not sure why you'd want to. I don't think it would work. Um, Ovata jade is a succulent and it's in a very different family to the bougainvillea. I'm not sure that that's possible. Um, however, if you are going to give it a go and, you know, let's do it, let's give it a go, let's know how you go with it, um, I would do what they call a, um, a cleft graft or a V-graft. So the top plant, if you're putting the bougainvillea on, it will be in a V and then the um, ovata jade will have the opening and it will slip into it and then you'll tie it together. So give it a go. Um, I don't think it'll work, but it's fun to do those sort of things. Okay. Thanks, Karen. Um, Keith in Moorbank, uh, my lychee tree gave us fruit. Oh, we've just answered this one. Uh, already. So it looks like maybe we're already down to the end of the questions, are we? I've done way too too good. 
way too well here. So in that case, uh, let's have a sneak peek at the uh, best of programs for episode two. Now, this will be showing on Sunday for the WA viewers only. If there was one request we get regularly at the Garden Gurus, probably almost every day, somebody asks for us to come around and make over their backyard. Now, we just can't do that, but we have done it occasionally for schools and some important charities. And when this request came in, there was no way I could say no, because this particular charity is very close to my heart. This garden centre holds many fond memories for me. I was here when they opened their gates for trading in October 1972. It was the beginning of my retail career. I went on to become a manager, and here's a photo to prove it. It's been 10 years since I last visited the beautiful gardens here at Araluen Botanical Park. I mean, where does the time go? A lot's happened in that 10 years. Okay, guys, so that should be fun to watch for the WA viewers. That's Sunday, this Sunday coming. Okay, so now we are on to Plant of the Week. So let's have a look. I've brought in the hydrangeas. All right, so this is a new type of hydrangea that's out. Well, actually, I think it was last year for Perth that it came out. Um, it's a smaller growing hydrangea, but it has these amazing, beautiful heads. I bought in a white one. I'm going to show them all. They're gorgeous. It's a blue one. All right. And this little one here has this really unusual darker pink colour also. Hydrangeas are generally sold around this time of the year in garden centres. This is when they flower and when they look their best. Um, and they're something that I take one home every Christmas Eve and I, I have it somewhere um, in my Christmas um, decorations on the table before dinner um, or before lunch if we're doing it that way. Um, they're fantastic plants. They're easy to grow. You can grow them in pots and quite often it's easier to grow them in pots than it is in the ground. Um just simply because they don't like the hot wind and they won't take a hot sun. You'll Sometimes you'll see gardens where they've got really large ones and they will grow, some of them will grow up to a metre and a half um, and in the right conditions, even two metres. Around Perth, mostly around about the metre and a half would be probably as big as what they'd get. But you sometimes see umbrellas in the summertime over them. Um, so you drive past a house and you see four or five umbrellas out and they're just giving them a little bit of respite from the very hot sun. Now they're hydrangeas and I always say hydro. So they do require a good amount of water. They need a really good compost in them when you, when you uh, plant them and uh, water them in well. Mulch them well and you'll find that the water will be held in the soil much better and, and much longer for them and they'll, they'll grow well. Um, now, they are deciduous, right? So don't get frightened around about June when the leaves, or actually around about May, the leaves start going black. They get black spots on them. And that's the plant drawing the nutrients back down into the root system for it to then settle itself in and then um, up it comes again. The, the plant will then grow and, um, and usually around about mm, probably July, August, it will start to... Uh, fill up with leaves again um, so that's the hydrangea they make fabulous gifts you know if you don't know what to give to somebody for um for christmas give them a hydrangea um, it's a it's a great they're looking amazing go into any garden center at the moment and you'll find hundreds of them now 
just a little mark about if you like pink, you want an alkaline soil. If you'd like blue, um, like this one, or purple, like the one I showed you, you need an acidic soil. There is a, a product out called Bluing Agent, Hydrangea Bluing Agent, so it's very easy to do. And you start that around about August and do it for, I think, about four applications, and you'll find that the soil will, um, will produce you the blue one. So that's the plant of the week. Um, yeah, get down to your garden centre, buy a lovely big hydrangea, use it in your house for, for the Christmas um, time, or um, plant it straight out into the garden if you've got a good spot for it. All right, so we've got one last question and we've just got time for that and it's Claire. Uh, good morning, Claire. And she says, good morning, I have a new real mower and sculpt my cooch lawn a little on the first pass. I've been watering regularly and applied some extreme green. Is there anything else I can do to help it come back quicker? Uh, located in Cavishan, oh, I'm mowing every three days or so. Yeah, my lawn could do with every three days or so too. Don't scalp it too. You've learned a good lesson there. Um, keep the water up to it. Um, but I would also, uh, you could apply, um, and you have, you've put extreme green on. What I want you to really be aware of is that um, whatever lawn fertiliser you use, make sure that it has really good high nitrogen and, and a really good phosphorus rate too, not too high, sorry, but enough that it grows a really good root system. If you've got a good root system on your lawn, it will take a little bit of scalping if you accidentally do that. Everybody should be lifting their mowers at this time of the year and keeping it slightly higher. Okay. Um, oh, and just make sure, if you're in Cavisham, you're on very sandy soil. So you want to make sure that you've got wetting agent and that the, the water is not pooling in the on the top of the soil or running off on the edges. So get some wetting agent into it if you feel you need it. Drive that wetting agent down deep and watch that grass come back. All right. So that was today's show. Um, make sure that you hit the like button for us. We really appreciate that. Thanks so much for all your questions today. There's been lots of them, and I'm sorry if we didn't manage to reach them or if we didn't answer them fully enough for you that there is extra um, to be answered, give us a call next week. Send them in, and we'll see if we can't answer it even better next week. Um, uh, we'll be back next Friday at 9 o'clock, 9 a.m. Western Standard Time. Remember, you can always jump onto the website uh, for previous stories from The Garden Gurus at thegardengurus.tv or on our YouTube channel, thegardengurus.tv. Be sure to um, tune in for the brand new episode of The Garden Gurus Show um, coming out on the 10th of December. And for our WA viewers, we've got another special um, episode, The Garden Gurus Best Of Show. Um, I hope you've enjoyed the show today. It's gone very fast. Get your questions in next week and happy gardening for the rest of the week.